0: of heights to the depths of the sea
1: but what about for sin sometimes god allows sickness because of sin we saw that in in this man that we're looking at here in john chapter 5 jesus said sin no more lest a greater thing come upon you there was something that he did that caused this to come to pass it's always good to go to the lord and ask him lord in any sickness that you have
0: Gleaming in his grasp Welcome everyone to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor and Teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus was concerned for the man's spiritual health along with his physical health. He told him, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Living a life of sin is worse and will bring a worse result than being crippled for 38 years. The man's 38 years of illness had apparently been brought on by dissipation. It was a sin of the flesh, avenged in the flesh, that had given him that miserable life. We must always remember that sin has consequences whether sooner or later. Now let's join Pastor Rob.
1: For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Is it wrong to do good on the Sabbath? No, it's the best time to do good on the Sabbath. In another gospel, in Mark's gospel, in chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. We get things so confused. We we take the regulations and we're like, oh, i got to follow this to the nth degree or God won't love me. i got to do this in order to be accepted by God. And God's, no, no, I, I love you. You're accepted already. You're accepted. If you're in Christ, guess what? You've been accepted. Hallelujah. Are you glad? You don't have to earn it. That's works. Revel in the grace of it. Rest in the grace of it. Going on in Matthew 12, in verse 9, he says, Now when they had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, It's not lawful, or is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? You can almost see them with their shawls. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? I do, I have this vision of these guys, just kind of really too starched. And maybe even talking in an English accent. It's not lawful for you to do this on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him. And then he said to them, What man is there among you if he had one sheep and it fell into a pit on the Sabbath? Wouldn't you lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more value is this man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. And the Pharisees went out and noticed. They plotted against him how they might destroy him. They just couldn't stand the thought of him doing this. So they said to him, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered back in our text, he says, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. And what a double slap in the face for these Pharisees, because they weren't able to heal. And now Jesus is telling them what to do, violating their traditions. Then he asked them, verse 12, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? And remember, Jesus has always been kind to people. He's always been very harsh with the religious leaders who are supposed to be leading them into righteousness, leading them in the right way. He was hard on them, but he was very kind and compassionate to those who didn't know him, who didn't know Christ, who didn't know the way of salvation. He was very kind. And honestly, he was even kind to the Pharisees at times. But there comes a point where he let them have it, and they deserved it. Verse 13, but the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that uh, that place. This is so different from today, because when people get healed today, the pastor or the prophet or the traveling itinerant preacher, he gets the glory. They make sure they have the cameras right on him. So what was it like when you healed him? Well, I felt this moving and a shaking in my bones. And I reached out and I touched him and he fell backward. And then he's on television and it's all about him. Is it about him or is it about Jesus? Jesus. I think it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It must always be about Jesus. Notice in verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The clear implication here is that this malady that this man had was brought about because of some issue of sin in his life. And we know that in Romans, the wages of sin is death. That's what you get. That's what you receive for a wage because of your sin. It's death. Certainly death physically and even death spiritually if it's not repented of. In Galatians 6 verse 7 it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever man, a whatever man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will reap life after everlasting. I love that. Because sin does have consequences, doesn't it? And this man... In John 9, which we're going to get to, actually. I got ahead of myself. But God allows sickness... He allows trials in our life for various purposes, some for the glory of God. Some of these things happen to us because of sin in our life. Some may happen to us, these sicknesses, trials may uh, happen to us that we might learn patience and humility or just to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And this is certainly not a long list. This is a very short list, but let's just look at a few of these. God allows sickness or trials for the glory of God. We know that in John chapter 11, remember when Jesus rose his friend from the grave, Lazarus, what does it say? It says that when Jesus um, heard that his friend was sick and that he died, Jesus heard that and he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That whole thing with Lazarus was designed. Jesus could have spoke miles away and said, Lazarus, be healed, and he would not have died. But remember, Jesus waited a day or two before he went. And why did he do it? Because he's such a mean God? No, he did it because he had a plan and a purpose for the glory of God. And they would all see it. And who would they glorify? God. That's worth it. I think if Lazarus could go back and do it all over again, he would say, Lord, you should have let, let me stay even a few more days dead and then bring me back to life. And let's do this thing really big. Right? Because he knew he was part of what was going to bring many to faith and also confirm others in their sin. It has a, there's a response to it, right? In John chapter 9, you remember there was a man born blind. And it says that as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? There was an an expectation that because he was born blind, there must have been sin in his life. Be careful about that, folks. As we encounter sickness and and, and different things, we, we, we can run to that. And this is what the disciples did. There's nothing new under the sun. When a friend of yours becomes ill and you've known there's been issues in their life, deep in your heart you're thinking, I know why God struck him. Because of that issue that he's got, that she has. Can't our hearts be so rotten sometimes? We can think, oh, it's because of this. It's because he's not being faithful to his wife. That's why the Lord struck him. And boy, he deserves it. I'd like to strike him too. Right? We get those attitudes, unfortunately. But notice, Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, I mean they were sinners, but it wasn 't this blindness wasn 't because of something that he had done. neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be re- revealed in him and then later down in the chapter when when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and he took the some of the dirt and, and the saliva and and put it in the guy 's eyes and he says, "Now go wash in the pool of Siloam and we visit that place when we go to Israel too and then notice in verse fourteen of that same chapter in John chapter 9, it was the Sabbath when he did this. Boy, Jesus loves to heal on the Sabbath. It's almost like he's just really taking these guys to task. If I were Jesus, I would only do it on the Sabbath. (laughs) Just tell everybody, hey, look, I could heal you now, but wait until Friday night, uh, and I'll do it then. But no, he healed. But he healed on the Sabbath. He wasn't concerned about the day. And then finally, later on, In that same chapter, the blind man, he finally speaks to the Pharisees who are upbraiding him and ready to throw him and his mom and dad out of the synagogue. What does he say to them? He says, since the world began, it was unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of anyone who was born blind. If this man, Jesus, were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said unto him, you're completely born in sins. and Are you teaching us? Ugly, ugly heart. But what about for sin? Sometimes God allows sickness because of sin. We saw that in in this man that we're looking at here in John chapter 5. Jesus said, sin no more lest a greater thing come upon you. There was something that he did that caused this to come to pass. It's always good to go to the Lord and ask him, Lord, in any sickness that you have. I remember when I had that tumor in my stomach that I had to have removed didn't even know what it was. Is it gonna kill me? Is it benign? Is it malignant? I have no idea. Has it is it metastasized? Didn't know anything until they actually go in there and take it out. Oh, you're good. <laughs> but during that time, believe me, I was confessing to things I hadn't even done. Yeah, it was me with Kennedy I shot him. It was me, Lord. I was there with with Peter, or I was there with Judas. I'm the one who sold you out. I was confessing to things, anything. I was confessing to everything I could think of. And I I still don't know the purpose of that whole thing. Maybe it was to humble me. I think in time the Lord will show me if he shows me at all. But I know that it was good because it got me dependent really quick on him. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how much longer I had. didn't know anything but it has a way of tuning us, doesn't it? Do you find that the Lord can tune you like a, like a guitar? He'll just tune you and get you into shape. And sometimes he uses these things. And it's good to ask him, Lord, why? And he may tell you. And you may discern that in time. But it could be because of sin. We know that in, in the Corinthian church, Paul said, examine yourself. Speaking of communion in... in um. Corinthians 11, for he who drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And he's speaking about the communion that they were taking and they were doing it in an unworthy manner. For this reason, he said, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. In other words, many have died because of their error. And he was purifying the church at this time in the early church. He's purifying us today. He hasn't changed. And what about Herod Agrippa? Because of his sin. What happened in Acts 12? He was there in Caesarea by the sea, in Israel on the coast. And one day he was arrayed in in royal apparel. And he sat on the throne and gave an oration to the people. And the people kept shouting, it's the voice of a God and not of man. The voice of God is speaking to us. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him. Because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and died. From the inside out, horrible, horrible situation. Have you ever been eaten of worms? Probably none of us have. (laughs) And what about that he might conform us to the image of Jesus? Paul the Apostle knew this more than anyone, I think, other than Jesus himself. In Colossians chapter 1, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul wasn't saying that he was making up for anything that lacked in Jesus, but he was just part of what was happening. He was going to continue to suffer in the way that Jesus suffered, and many people would suffer after him. He was just part of the group that was going to go through this. He knew very well that he was being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Everyone thinks that it's, it's all, everything is just great, but sometimes being conformed to the image of Christ, there's a humility, there's a brokenness. That's the way. It's not being exalted. It's, it's quite the opposite than the world thinks. We have to be ready for that, be prepared for that, and not be upset with it. In Philippians He says, but what things were gained to me, Paul says, these I have counted loss for Christ, yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as dung, as rubbish, that I might gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Why? That I might know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Boy, that's something that we need to really put our head around, the fellowship of his sufferings. Don't be upset when you find yourself going through something like this man, this lame man, going through 38 years, however long it takes. Ask the Lord, find out what it's all about if he will show you. But don't kick against it. We have to come to terms with these things and be mature and say, Lord, there's a reason you've allowed this. And Lord, whatever you want to do, You do. Whatever it is, God, that you want to do in me, please do this. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Notice, being conformed to his death. That's something the American church doesn't like to hear. We don't want to be conformed to death. And yet the Bible tells us that we need to die to ourselves. The old man, the old nature needs to die it must die. And you must be born again. It's not even an option. You must be born again. Amen? Amen? And if you know of anybody who's not, compel them. Love on them. Tell them the truth. And never remove the teeth from the gospel. Remember we talked about that? Tell them the good news. but You'll have to tell them the bad news first. Because the good news is good news because of what it does from the bad news. You remember also in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, when Saul was on his way to Damascus, ready to arrest the Christians, the Lord knocks him down, he he can't see, he goes into Damascus and the Lord said to a man named Ananias, who was a believer in that town, he says, go, For he, Saul, is is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, before kings and the children of Israel. Notice, for I will show him how many things he must, he must suffer for my name's sake. This Saul, this zealous man of the law, I'm going to show him. I'm going to be glorified in him. Go tell him the great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh, that doesn't sound like something I want to sign up for. But you know what, Paul? would later say, after all he's been through, I would do it all again. I'm ready. Bring it. (laughs) I'm ready to go to Jerusalem, to die. I'm ready to go to Rome. He's not afraid. And neither do we need to be afraid either. And God also allows sickness to teach us patience and humility. Again, Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians 12, what does he say? And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, notice this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said, My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul must not have had the prayer of faith. He must not have had enough faith. He didn't, lay, he didn't uh, uh, what is it, claim it, name it and claim it. He didn't blab it and grab it. Must not have had strong faith because God didn't heal him. There are people who think that. And yet God says, no, Paul, I'm going to leave this here. Because I'm going to show you things in your life. I'm going to reveal things to you that Christians, a couple thousand years from now, are going to be reading this like we are tonight to this morning. And it's going to change their life. And I need to humble you, Paul. Because prior to this, you were Mr. Fancy Pants in the Jewish culture. You were of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. You were zealous. And now you've come to me. And, Paul, I got to break you. Don't be afraid when you're broken. It's important that we ask God to break us. But a bruised reed he shall not break, and a, what is it, a, a smoking, a, a reed he won't break, and a smoking flax he won't quench. But notice in our text this final verse it says, The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Now that he could see, and now that he could see, and now that he was made well, actually, we're, we're back in chapter 5 here. He told the Jews that it was Jesus, and now Jesus would be a marked man. From that time forward, he would be a marked man. So let me ask you the question, do you want to be made well this morning? Do you want to be made well? You know, in the first, t- in the first century church... James said this, he says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And I want to encourage you this morning, and and again, if you've got physical illnesses, come up and pray. We can anoint you with oil if if, if you'd like that. And if you haven't, even the greater thing is if you've never received Jesus Christ into your heart, that's the greatest healing. Because folks, remember, this time that we have on the earth is so short. It's so short. Then eternity. Think of that. eternity will make what we've lived on this earth seem like it really didn't happen. It would be so insignificant. And that is where we're going to be. Give your heart to Christ. Rededicate your life and your heart to Jesus Christ. Take those things that you know that are happening in your life, maybe things that you're doing that nobody knows about, repent of them and turn from them and be restored and renewed again. And ask the Lord to heal you, not only physically, but Lord, heal me. Take these things away. I know that they are an affront to you, God. Cleanse me, Jesus. I love David in Psalm 51. Cleanse me, Lord. Seek me and see if there's any wicked way in me and cleanse me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. Isn't that what we really desire? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? That's a question you're going to have to ask yourself, and run to Jesus. He's the only solution. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we come before you this morning again, just uh, thankful for this man, and for, thank you for you, God. Thank you for reaching down and 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 singling this man out, Lord. He. He was there that day and thought to himself, this is just another day and here I am and tomorrow I'm going to be in the same place and yet God, in your compassion and your love, you, you saw what was going on. Please touch him. Please touch us, Lord, today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.